Thank you for tuning into the City Church California podcast. We exist for anyone to believe in God, to become who God created them to be, and to build the church and our city. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so that you can be updated anytime we add new content. Now let's check out the latest message from our Sunday gathering. The title of my talk today uh, is When We Come Together. When We Come Together. Um, Can we once again, I don't think we can do this enough, celebrate those who went public with their faith in baptism? Come on. The most beautiful thing in the world is how well it represented the church and the diversity in generations and the diversities in cultures. And we're seeing that God can bring people together and do some supernatural things. And I'm excited about what he's doing in our church and our young people. Uh, Pastor Vlad's doing an amazing job. Um, and the leaders of, you know, what, what makes a youth ministry, the, 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 the face of it is the youth pastor. But the, 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 the soldiers of it are the, the youth leaders. They're the ones taking bullets on the daily. And so can we give it up for our amazing youth volunteers and youth team? First Corinthians chapter 11, here we go. It says this, for I have received this, I have received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given... Uh, there we go. You guys switched. There we go. When he had given thanks, he had broken and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Next verse. There we go. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often. Can you say as often? Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Verse 26. For as often, say as often. As often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. In the church, what we see is the continued incarnation of Christ, the physical form of Christ here on the earth in his gathered communities. The body of Christ is an organism where people from every walk of life gather in the name of Jesus. We become one through the power of the Holy Spirit. And in the church, in this gathered community, in the physical form, what happens is this. Our relationship with God begins, is nurtured, and is sustained through the body of Christ. It is the physical gathering or the physical incarnation of the body of Christ, which is the church, that we meet Christ and it, 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 the faith is erupted where we actually say, I'm going to follow Jesus. It's within the community of God that that faith is nurtured by fellow believers and it is in that community that we are sustained until the end. The community of God is not just a service we attend, but it is a family or an organism that we are a part of. The gathering of believers is the primary place where we participate in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. It's the primary place. This is what God set up for us. All the letters in the New Testament are to specific local gathering communities, dealing with issues within their context, giving them praises, giving them corrections. Why? Because our gathering communities are important to God. Getting together in a room 
Worshiping Jesus, participating in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ was not something we do by accident, but by design. So in the, the context of Corinthians, it was a local church. In fact, the letters of Corinthians is a correspondence. There's a lot of back and forth. We don't see the full picture of the conversation. We're seeing Paul's side of the conversation. You ever seen that? You get one side of the conversation, right? So we're reading a text message with just Paul's responses pretty much. Um, and, and he's responding to things and his goal is to bring unity in this church. The thing about Corinth is it was a pretty crazy place. It was a place where they celebrated their liberty, their liberty, their ability to do whatever, whenever, and with whoever they wanted. It was a place of wealth. It was a place of spirituality. It was a place of sexuality. It was a place where people kind of came and let their inhibitions go. They came and they spent their money. Um, they would have a quarterly athletic events where thousands of people, they said the, the, the population of Corinth would grow by 700,000 when these athletic events would come in. These people were about the spectacle. They were tailgating. I was watching this video of people in uh, Buffalo, right? Aren't you glad we don't live in Buffalo, New York? <laughs> praise God. Let's give him some praise for that. If you're from Buffalo, welcome to the promised land. Um, but these guys were out there tailgating. It's negative 20. They're shirtless. They're pounding beers. And it's like, and we can't show up for church. Right? That's Corinth. Like, this is a tailgating place. People are like, woo, let's go. They're cheering on their favorite athletes. They were spectators. They were in it for the games. And this was this culture. But the problem with the church in Corinth is this is they began to allow the culture from the outside to determine the culture of their gatherings on the inside. So the same struggles, the same focus, the same kind of direction that the culture had on the outside was when they would come together, it was the exact same. That's the problem. That's the problem that if we come into church in our gatherings and the culture is exactly the same as when it's outside of the gathering of the incarnation, the body of Christ. But that's how it was in Corinth. And Paul was pretty disappointed. In fact, he has to apologize in his second letter. He's like, man, I was a little too harsh on you. That gives me a little bit of like relief, you know? This is the problem. They approached their gatherings for selfish gain. They approached their gatherings with them in the center. They, those who had food to take communion, the wealthy, they would bring their food, but they would consume all of it. They would get drunk on the wine, full on the food, and they would leave none for anyone else. They approached their gatherings as a place of consumption, not contribution. Paul is con correcting unworthy worship in their gatherings in chapter 11. In chapter 11, he's really focusing on the unity of when they come together, when they gather, what was the problem? Now, he, he, they, they got together a lot. It's funny that he, earlier on in chapter 11, he says, you get together, but it's not for your benefit. It's kind of, you get worse afterwards, <laughs> right? We may be doing church wrong if we're getting worse as we come together, right? <laughs> If I'm digressing in my relationship with Jesus, I may need to refocus and say, okay, where am I missing it? But this was a place for consumption. It was a place to spectate. And so he's bringing a correction to 
the worthiness of their worship. When you guys come, when we come together, the frequency is not enough, but it is important. And so we, we, when we come together, we should be coming together often, as Paul says, and we'll get to that. But there's some things that we need to put in place before we get together often. Because how many of you, you've gone to church a lot and you've seen a little change sometimes? I grew up in church, right? I was in church on Wednesday night, Saturday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night, if they called the prayer meeting, okay? Every night of the week, it felt like we had something with church. And we can do that and still not be changed. But I will also argue this point. There definitely will be no change if we don't get in the gathering of believers. There is nowhere in scripture that I see besides the thief on the cross, which is what we would call antidotal evidence, right? He died like 30 seconds after he gave his life to Jesus. But nowhere else on the cross do we see any believer that is walking with Jesus apart from the community of God. We don't see anywhere in scripture of this private relationship with Jesus where we don't require to be in the community and the family of God. In fact, we see the very opposite, that it's encouraged that we do not drift away from our relationship that was began in faith. The community of God is not just an add-on, but it's a necessity for our spiritual vitality. So how do we approach these gatherings the right way. How, how, how should we come on a Sunday? How should, when we step in this room, 8.30, 10, 11.30, how should we come? Because is it a place of just consumption? Come on, preacher, cheering them on, let's go, hey. Entertain me, let's go. Tell me what I wanna hear. Maybe that's not what the gathering is for. Maybe that's why it's no longer a priority because we haven't approached it the way that God's asked us to approach a gathering. So what we see is this in this passage. We see when we come together, we should come with a contribution or an action with reverence, which is the proper attitude, and as often as we can, which is accountability. The people who just got baptized today said we're a part of the family of God. What should we do? We should run and surround them and say, hey, we're going to hold you to that. We're going to sustain you. We're going to nurture you. We're going to surround you. We're going to fill you up. That's the community of God. And the more frequently that they get in the body of Christ, there's accountability to the decision they made today. That was supernatural. So the first thing we need to look at is contribution. Contribution says this, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, talking about the bread, and this is my body, which is for you. The ancient church father, John Chrysostom, says this, the Corinthians were disgracing themselves by turning the Lord's Supper into a private meal, thus depriving it of its greatest prerogative. This guy was from the third century AD, and he's saying the problem was they made it a private meal. They made communion about them. He said, but that's not the purpose of communion. In fact, it's in the name. Communion, it's community. There's, it's meant to be done together in the body of Christ. It's, that's where, how it was modeled by Jesus. Jesus did not go off by himself to break communion. He did it together with those who were going to betray him, by the way says on the night he was betrayed, he took communion. 
And not just Judas, everybody. <laughs> Peter denied him to a teenage girl. Some faith he has. <laughs> right? They left. Thomas, even after he rose from the dead, was still not convinced. He broke bread with those who betrayed him. Well, people just hurt my feelings. That's community. That's spiritual formation. In fact, that helps grow us, shape us, mold us. In a society today where our church attendance is dictated by preference, we need to hear the word of God from the Apostle Paul to the church in Corinth. This is not a matter of preference. It's a matter of priesthood. Well, they just didn't sing the song I wanted, so I just don't know if I can go there anymore. This is the big one. Are you guys ready for the big one? I've heard this a lot. I know I seem young, but I've been in ministry now for 10 years. Over 10 years is the number one thing I hear, why people leave the church. I just wasn't being fed there anymore. They didn't properly give me my spiritual meal. They only gave me cotton candy. Fair. And we'll take the critique. Look, throw it our way. We love it. But maybe that's not what gathering's about. See, this is the thing. We don't just gather to receive something. We gather to partake and participate in something way bigger than us. Way bigger than us. And in a divinely unified community, we experience the power when we participate in the gathering, not just receive. When we enter the gathering of believers, we are not spectators to an event like a sporting event. We're not a spectators to a concert. I know we got the lights. I know we got the electric guitar. I know there's jamming and you're like, oh, sometimes I'm just like. <laughs> Yesterday I was walking downtown and there had this rock band going. This girl was just like, you know, some of us, that's us in worship. It's like, you know what? This is like, that's okay. Get your balance on for a little bit, but there's going to come a point in a time that we have to participate in this. It's bigger than just words on a screen and, and, and music. In fact, music is throughout scripture to stir up the atmosphere of the prophetic that God can begin to speak and flow and move. And we truly believe this, that, that, that it is structure-minded, flow-sensitive, that we have a liturgy, but we are allowing the Spirit of God to breathe throughout it. Why? Because this is why we are here, to participate in the living body of Jesus Christ. We come with a contribution. We are empowered by the Spirit of God and His sacraments. This is not just water. This is divinely infused where they went down and their old life was buried and a new life began. They were birthed into the family of God. This is something that's supernatural. Why did you feel the faith elevated in the room? Because that's a supernatural act. There was something that was so divine that was happening. We get to participate in this every single week. It is not just a matter of preference. Whether or not you like me speaking, my dad, or somebody else, that's not the point. The point is that when we show up into this space, we are ready to contribute to the atmosphere because we actually believe that God is in this place and that God is moving and that God is speaking. We aren't here for religion or just checking it off the box, but we are actually here thinking that God is inhabiting this space. Man, I'm yelling fat earlier than I normally do. People in Ventura are like, I'm not sure about this guy. Hey, my dad will be back next week. It'd be awesome. Actually, no, Pastor Steve will be up next week. Even better, you know, it'd be awesome. 
John Chrysostom says this, Paul reminds us that the master gave up everything, including himself. For us, whereas we are reluctant to share just a little bit of our food with our fellow believers. That was the problem in Corinth. They thought the gathering was about what they could get out of it. We may not be getting drunk on the communion wine or eating, which is good. You shouldn't do that. And it's just grape juice anyway. So you can drink as many of those little ones as you want. You're not going to feel anything. You know, if you let it sit for a couple of years, maybe uh, put some yeast in it, you know, it's me crazy. We're not, we may not be getting drunk on the communion wine or eating all the food, but I think we have a culture of consumption and spectating. And, and, and it's a participating thing. Acts chapter 2.42 talks about how they devoted themselves to the breaking of the bread. And oftentimes we get this confused. We think that it's just a meal in the homes or it's communion, but really breaking of the bread was a common corporate worship practice that in the ancient times they would actually come and they would share a meal in the presence of their God and it would be as if we were singing today. It was a corporate worship practice. They, they were coming together, they were breaking bread and they were worshiping their God. See, we don't come just to be fed, we come already filled and fed so we can pour out. It's a corporate worship. We want to be fed from every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, both personally, yes, but corporately and worshipfully. We contribute to the feeding of the saints by participating as priests in our gatherings. So the first and foremost, we have to understand we have something to bring to the table. If you're like, I've, I don't even believe in Jesus. By the end of this message, I hope that the faith of God is ignited in you, that you begin a relationship with Jesus. And then guess what? You now have something to contribute. You don't need to be a theologian to contribute to the, to, to, to the, the gathering of the saints. And that's the beauty of it. Right? He, he did not call the, the, the wise, but the foolish to shame the wise. He did not call the powerful, but the weak to shame the powerful. Why? What is he saying? That doesn't mean if you're wise or you're strong. That No, he's saying that God didn't choose who we thought he would choose. He uses anybody and everybody that's willing to put their faith in him. We all have a place to participate in the gathering as priests. And the second thing that we must do is we, when we come together is we must come together with reverence or the right attitude. Paul says this in, in verse 23, says, for I received... From what, uh, for I received from the Lord what I also deliver to you. Why is that important? We did not come up with this idea of gathering together. Neither did Paul. Right? Sometimes we hear pastors say, hey, come to church. You just want me to fill the seats. I didn't come up with that idea. Paul didn't come up with this idea. Did you hear what he said? For I received from the, from the, Lord. Whose idea was this? It's the Lord's. Jesus is the one who instructed Paul on how, when you come together, and he's speaking of communion because communion was a vital part of their liturgy or their order of service. Okay. It was kind of the, 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 the pinnacle of it, if that makes sense. It would end with, after they proclaimed the word, they would take communion together and it would be like the finality to the gathering. 
And it was not Paul's idea. It's not man's idea. It's God's idea that we come together. Paul is saying here that Jesus taught him and taught us. He gave us a model. And with, uh, with that understanding, we should come with a different heart posture. I don't come because I feel forced or I have to. I come because I want to because this is the design of God so I can further become more like him and we can further become more like him. Our desire is to be transformed. That does not happen apart from the body of Christ. Transformation will only go so far as long as it's just for our sake. Spiritual formation is always for the sake of somebody else, for the sake of others. We grow and become more like Jesus so we can encourage, inspire, and, and, and tr help transform other believers by imparting into them, praying for them, and being with them. That's the point of our spiritual. If the spiritual formation was just for our growth, that would be anticlimactic. Because guess what? Heaven itself is not just going to be you and God. You ever heard that? Oh, when I'm in heaven, it's just going to be me and Jesus. Revelation says there's going to be multitudes on multitudes. <laughs> if you got social anxiety, get ready, right? There's going to be a lot of people. You're going to be like, whoa, hello. I didn't know you were in heaven. Thought you were going to the other place. Pretty sure I was convinced. <laughs> you know. And guess what? You get to hang out with them forever. <laughs> Never ending. Yay. Like, it, it, heaven is a communal place. It'll be the, the saints, past, present, and those who will get saved in the future together worshiping God. It will always be a communal, contributing, reverent place is the gathering of the saints. An anonymous church father says this, Paul shows that the Lord's Supper is not a meal in the normal sense, but spiritual medicine, which purifies the recipient if if they partake of it reverently. It is a memorial of our redemption, so mindful of our Redeemer that we might follow him more closely. This is not just regular elements, but they're divinely infused. As Pastor Jude talked about last week, it is super substantial bread. It's a provision. It's more than what we need. It's more than just the physical need, but there's a deep supernatural provision that comes from the bread of Jesus. There's a deep supernatural righteousness that comes when we consume the juice. It's the blood of God that makes us white as snow. This is supernatural. It's divinely infused. So when it talks about a new covenant, it's talking about the price that Christ paid on the cross for our sins. And what did he say in the garden? If this cup can pass before me, but not my will, your will be done. See, the cup represents Christ's suffering. He suffered so we could be set free. He suffered so we could be made whole. See, when we approach the communion, sometimes we just think it's a nice little mid-service snack, but it's actually a representation of what Christ, that his body was both broken and beaten for our peace and our, and, and our reconciliation, and his blood was spilt in a place of suffering. In the garden, he sweat blood and he was still willing to say, not my will, your will be done. Why is that important? Because that's how our Christian life should be modeled. Not just for our own personal life, not my will, 
your will be done in my life, but it's also God, not my will, but your will be done in their lives. We should be thinking of other believers and saying, okay, God, I am going to lay down my will for the sake of somebody else, because that's what you did. That's what Jesus modeled. He didn't just lay down his will because he wanted to go on the cross. No, he didn't even want to. He had, there was an agonizing pain. He knew what it was going to be. But he did so for our sake to model to us this new, vibrant, supernatural community. Imagine if the world sees the church living in such a selfless way that we say, God, not my will, not about me, not what I can get. How can I serve and give and love somebody else? And that's when something begins to happen. That's when a city begins to take notice. That's when a state begins to say something's different about them. Our communities are divinely infused empowered by the Holy Spirit to be one body in unity, serving one another. And as our Savior said, not my will, your will be done. Your will be done. The keys can come on up so I can finish on time. Number three. So once we understand we come with a contribution, we come with reverence. This is the last point. And I think in our day and age post COVID, this is probably the most important is we should come often. We should come often. And, and, and if the first one was action and the second is attitude, this is more what we call accountability. We should come often. What do we do often? Our life looks like what we do often, right? I don't often work out. And my life looks like it, right? Play men's league basketball and I am dying. I got five good minutes in me. You see me at the rec center on the avenue. That's all you're going to get. Five good minutes. and Check out. Jim Crowder, you got it. Take us home, baby. It's what you do that brings the most, often that brings the most transformation. It's what you do often that creates the transformation. Grace is not opposed to action. It's opposed to effort. Uh, sorry, it's not, it's not opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning. It's not opposed to your action. It's opposed to the attitude thinking, I deserve this. We've gotten it confused. We think that grace is opposed to taking any bit of action. Oh, I didn't earn it. So I just, I just have to sit here. No, grace exudes action. It, it draws us to a, an action step towards God. What it's opposed to is thinking our self-righteousness gets us grace. Grace brings out faith step towards, it's God's loving kindness that continues, draws us. First Peter says this, my friends, may you grow in grace in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So if you can grow in it, it's something that there's, it's not just a one-time event. The greatest saints are not those who need less grace. It's those who realize they need the most grace. I want to continually and constantly be living in the grace of God and relying on the grace of God. I saw this quote earlier from this author and he says that in the modern Western church today, we are more concerned about works righteousness than we are about sin. So we are more concerned with us like not doing anything than we are with actually sinning. 
We don't attack it. I'm not saying we can earn our, our, our righteousness. We cannot. It's freely given. It's a, it's a gift of grace. It's a, but how many of us have received a good gift and thrown it away? What kind of gift was that? It wasn't that good then. But the gift of grace should draw us to something so much bigger and better and something that's really not us. I couldn't make myself this. I couldn't do this. It didn't matter how hard I worked. We should do it often. This phrase, as often as you can, is unique to this passage. It's unique to this passage. And there's actually one other one. Three, three times it's referenced. And the other one is kind of scary. Okay? It's Revelation chapter 11. We're talking about the angels can send plagues as often as they can. So we're not going to talk about that today. I'll let you guys wrestle with that at home. Um, that's a free one. Jesus doesn't say as often when he talks about communion in any of the gospels, Paul adds this phrase because there must be something to it for the Corinthians. As often, as often, as often, which means this, as many as, as frequent, frequently, or as many as. So Thursday night prayer, when we take communion every week, if the doors are open, guess what? As often as I can, I'm there. I just don't want my kids to be burnt out on church. Guess what? As often as the doors were open, guess where I was? I was in church. And you know what saved me? Even when I didn't fully love Jesus, I loved the church because it was family. And as often as I, it, if they could be over for dinner, people were over for dinner. The small group was there, I was at small group. It protected me as a young person. It didn't drive me away from God. It drove me into the arms of other believers who could help me process what I was feeling about my relationship with God. There was people I trusted. There was family members outside of just my parents being pastors. That wasn't what saved me. What saved me is my parents curated a love for the body of Christ. So, and how do we do that? We say we love something, but we infrequently visit it. Jesus says this in John chapter one, they say, Rabbi, where are you staying so we can come and see you? And he says, why don't you follow me? I'll show you. That's the answer Jesus gives us. We want a destination that we can visit when we feel it's time to visit. And Jesus says, that's not the walk with God. He's saying, why don't you in him and live and move and have your being. You walk with, it becomes a part of your daily, weekly life. The body, the community, every part of it is ingrained into who we are. It protects us, it sustains us. So Sunday services, when we offer sacrifices of praise and the word of God is preached and our faith is built up and we sacrifice for others and we serve others and we sow, we should do that as often as we can. You want me to double dip, triple dip? What do you want me to do? I can't get enough of the place. As often as the doors are open, we are here. 2024, you will know what our phrase is this, as often as I can. Oh, you want me to serve? As often as I can. We're doing outreach as often as I can. What do you want me to do? You want me to serve the community? As often as I can. You want me to give? As often as I can. You want me to serve in city kids? As often as I can. You want me to serve in city youth? As often as I can. As often as we can. We do not get out of this place. We want to get into the body of Christ because something supernatural happens when we get together as often as we can. City groups, we, have, we share a meal, we encourage one another to good works. 
We should do that as often as we can. Hebrews says, exhort one another, encourage one another so you don't fall into unbelief. So you're struggling. How about the man who says, God, I believe, but help my unbelief. Get in a small group and have someone speak the word of God over your life. The word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. It can discern between spirit and soul, bone and joint. And guess what it's doing? It's removing unbelief, whether you understand it or realize it or not. As often as we can. This is where I finish. Hebrews chapter 10 says this, and let us consider how to stir one another up uh, to, to, to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Right before this, it says, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering for he who has promised is faithful. Then it goes into say, let us stir one another up. How do we stir one another up? Based on the, the confession of our faith talking about Jesus. Many, most theologians believe that Paul is the one who also wrote the book of Hebrews. And look at what he says to believers that are wavering in their faith or drifting in their faith. And they're, 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 they're being pressed on all sides from family to society, all sides they're being pressed and persecuted for their faith. And look at what he is writing to them on how to hold fast to your confession, which is your confessing that Jesus is Lord. That's what the confession is. And he had diagnosed the problem. And you know what the problem was? You're drifting because you have a bad habit of not meeting together. Those who are wavering in your faith. The worst thing we can do is stop getting together with the body of Christ. There is nowhere in scripture that shows us that that is the way to go. Even when Jesus isolated for prayer, it was always interrupted by people. Always. That guy could not get alone time. It feels like me with my toddlers. It's like, close the door, Quincy, it's 11 o'clock. Dad, can I ask you one more question? No. Aren't you glad Jesus didn't say no like me? Gosh, I gotta be more like my heavenly father. Sorry. (laughs) He diagnoses the problem. We should gather together as often as we can. We gather around our confession of a risen savior. Hold fast to the confession of your faith. You can stand to your feet this morning. as often as we can. Right now we get the opportunity, as it says in Hebrews chapter 10, to hold fast to the confession of our hope and that hope is Jesus. If you're hopeless today, there's only hope found in Jesus Christ. If you're broken today, he says, come, I come to heal and mend the brokenhearted. Those who are weary and heavy laden, God will give you rest. And we have a beautiful community of people that will surround you in this decision. Your marriage is struggling, put Jesus back in the center. Family's struggling, put Jesus back in the center. Jesus is the center. He's the pioneer. 
He is the one who paved the way into the Holy of Holies so we could worship him with confidence, not with reluctancy, not with shame, but with hope, with faith, full of grace, full of truth. Our God is so good. And he calls us into a beautiful community. We are called out to a holy purpose, to be a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. We are living stones that God is building up his temple right now. With every head bowed and every eye closed. If this morning you would say, you know, I haven't even made that confession of faith yet that Jesus is Lord and I want to, I want a new life. I wanna begin in a fresh way. And I wanna join the body of believers by the confession of faith and relationship with Jesus Christ so I could be saved. If that's you today and say, you know what? I want to begin a relationship with Jesus. If you could just quickly lift your hand so our team can see you say, you know what? I wanna begin a relationship with Jesus today. I wanna step into that. I wanna step into that. Thank you, that hand in the back. Thank you. Come on, can we give? Let's pray this prayer together. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for taking away my sins, giving me hope. And God, I commit you my life. Be my Lord, my Savior, my God, my best friend. I want to walk with you for all the days of my life. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. We so appreciate you spending time with us. If you'd like to invest into what God is doing through City Church California, you can go to our website, citychurchca.com, and click Give. Thanks again, and we hope to see you at one of our campuses this Sunday.